Recording live from the Hoban Law Group here in Denver, Colorado, I'm your host, Eric Singular. We're sitting alongside president and founder of the Hoban Law Group, Bob Hoban. Today we're talking about the history of the novel food catalog, and we are joined by vice president of the European Industrial Hemp Association, Catherine Wilson. Catherine, thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for inviting me, Eric. It's a pleasure. Of course, you know, with uh, with respect to the European Union, um, there are a number of, of laws, and particularly in the in the context of cannabis and CBD and hemp, uh, that we want to touch on right now, which is to talk about the novel food designation, the novel food catalog, and uh, this is this is an issue that I know is near and dear to your heart uh, and to the the European Industrial Hemp Association, maybe give us a little bit of insight, uh, especially for our American listeners who are more familiar probably with the FDA and uh, the regulatory concerns here in the States. Uh, What is the novel food designation, the novel food catalog, and where did it all begin? Where is it going? The novel food catalog was set up in 1997 to basically protect the European consumer and to ensure that the food we buy is safe. It's actually a very good document. It's a very good um, piece of recommendation, um, but it doesn't always work for you. What is very interesting is that in 1997, the so-called PASS Committee of the European Food Standards Agency, which we call EFSA, wrote a letter to the Hemp Association representing European hemp farmers at the time called Hansgesellschaft, and asked for a statement saying, could you give us statistical data of how much hemp seeds and what type of hemp foods are currently consumed in Europe? And so Hans Gesellschaft responded, showing that we consume X tons of seeds and hemp seed oil and ready-made products in snacks and flour and muesli, but also drinks within the EU, which basically led to confirmation by by the relevant committee in EFSA that flowers used for the production of beer-like beverages are considered to be food. And secondly, it was decided that food containing parts of the hemp plant are not novel. And really, since 97, the hemp sector expanded on that. And this really meant that the industry, as we develop, very much felt supported by the catalogue. And even in 2016, when eventually a new entry was added for cannabidiol, CBD, it actually set at the time extracts of cannabis sativa L, so industrial hemp, in which the CBD levels are higher than the CBD levels in the source are novel. So once again, the hemp sector and the supplement sector was actually quite relieved and confident, saying, well, as long as we make products that do not contain more CBD or total CBD as is naturally present in the plant, we will comply. 
And I think this probably took the agencies by surprise. And I personally attended a meeting in Brussels in October 18, and where we could show and prove how we comply with the designation of food. And it led to a new catalogue entry, which is what is widely discussed. And of course, many of our American colleagues also um, encountered the difficulty that hemp extracts and hemp CBD supplements were redesignated to be novel. And it took the industry a set as a surprise. And we're still struggling to find our way forward um, from this redesignation. Well, Catherine, I want to, I want to, for our listeners, try to try to simplify the issue so that we can follow what's happening here. It, it seems to me, and let's see if I get this right. It seems to me that certainly there have been hemp foods, hemp uh, seed oil, pressed seed oil uh, in the marketplace. You talked about that data and the history of that uh, that was ultimately supplied, but. Mm -hmm. Those products have been in the marketplace. Those products have been lawful, have been approved, and certainly they contained at a minimum trace quantities of certain cannabinoids, not the least of which would be CBD. So isn't yeah. the argument, or is this the argument, if I'm stating it correctly, is that the the novel foods designation is because they're saying, well, it wasn't there wasn't enough cannabinoids back then or it wasn't concentrated enough versus what's in the marketplace now is that a way to describe what's happening here yes probably in simple terms yes um although it is difficult to say because of course we've been consuming flowers and we know in flowers we've got total cbd content so you know cbda and cbd yes the discussion really is that the amount we consume now uh, we cannot show we have consumed in significant degree prior to 97. So what did we do? Because a bit like in the U.S., of course, you've only had the hemp farm bill recently and many tricky situations around hemp over the years. We dug back in history and we found some very interesting information about how hemp was consumed within Europe. And, you know, we went back all the way to 1475. Can you imagine that we actually found a recipe for a modern-day CBD oil? Wow. It was printed in one of the world's oldest cookbooks. It was printed in 1475, and it shows very clearly, including decarboxylation, now, we have historic records going all the way from the 15th, actually from the 14th century through till the 1930s, when, as we all know, life took a turn for hemp and all things cannabis. Um, so the question isn't much, you know, we also try to successfully say, Look, you're asking us to prove a consumption prior to 97 of a product that for the last 50, 60 years were banned from consumption. Can we go back to historic use? So we weren't successful, I would like to say. Well, no, this, this, is, this, is, the, this is the battle before us uh, ultimately. And, and, and I want to talk a little bit about 
what the association's doing that way in terms of how it's organizing and, and, and perhaps working uh, through a, a process to bring light to that. But before I get there, again, just to simplify the issue, because I've heard it misstated across North America every single mm-hmm. day about what really the issues are surrounding novel foods. If they're recognizing it as a novel food, then why is that a bad thing, some people might say? That just means they're going to create rules for it to be in the marketplace, and then it paves the way for it to see widespread distribution um, across stores and, and brick and mortar, so forth and so on. So so what is it about the designation that's a negative thing um, based on that just basic understanding that I seem to hear in the marketplace all the time? Okay. First, the most important thing to understand is that um, if you have a novel food, you are not allowed to put the product on the market before you achieve approval, which means the existing hemp industry who legitimately operated to the best in good faith has been overnight declared novel. And we are seeing in many countries across Europe um, enforcement to that effect. Now, we don't think that is fair. Sure, sure. Especially if the products are from European traditional food strains, which we've been consuming for years and also historically. Yeah, so that's a big issue for industry. Secondly, the novel food catalogue is not legally binding. It is a recommendation. Individual member states can choose, but it appears for the many reasons we know that hemp just seems to cause a lot of responses and and, and less so in the US, but quite often irrational. And what we're now looking at is that every extract, every type of hemp extract is novel. Now, clearly, that wasn't even the case because 25 years ago, we were extracting already hemp flour and using it in the drinks industry. Hmm? An application for a novel food license, IA, European Hemp Association, has put together now a consortium where from the farmers, our primary processors, blenders, brands, and so ever get together. To give you an idea of the cost of this, is we're investing three and a half million euros, which is pretty much three and a half million dollars. That is what it is going to cost us to show that the foods and the extracts we have been selling for a long period are actually safe. And we know they're safe because there's never been any issues. At the levels, consumption is recommended within the wellness sector. So, so you said something I want to key in on here, and this is fascinating to me. The, the idea of European hemp varieties and the long-standing stabilized nature of those varieties, which are now being sought uh, by folks across the Western Hemisphere and around the world, um, to be used for a variety of purposes beyond CBD specifically. But I think what you just said was, how can, well, let me, let me put it a different way. How can the European Union say that these cannabinoids weren't 
indeed already in food products, when the exact same certified OECD genetics that were used to produce hemp seeds and hemp seed oil are the ones that we're deriving these cannabinoid compounds from. So certainly, if the supply chain and the genetic stability remains the same, then it is in fact something that's been present in the food supply chain, and to your point, whether you consume it in different ways outside of the seeds, that's a, there's a track record of that too. But I'd never really Correct. thought about that, 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 that genetics component to it because how can they say, oh, no, it comes out of the same plant, but it's something new than from before when the genetics, by definition, are some of the most stable uh, and recognized in the world? Correct. You are asking me to answer questions I don't understand. <laughs> I don't agree. Okay? Well, well that, that's why we're so happy to have you on so that you can shed light because this is, uh, we've talked about the novel foods designation on the Hoban Minute a lot before, but not quite in this way. And I think this is shedding a light on a lot of really interesting components. And I want to highlight something here, which is uh, maybe give us a little bit of background on the European Industrial Hemp Association, the response to this designation of novel food, and kind of put one more question on the end of that, talking about the genetics, talking about these great European varieties. These are varieties that you can get the seed, you can get the fiber, the herd, the stock, uh, and these cannabinoids all from a single crop. They're, these are versatile, versatile uh, genetics and create plant, uh, crops that are multi-use. And so I know that's a lot to throw at you, um, but let's, uh, let's give it a shot. Right. Who are we? Well, I have been formed in officially, I, oh gosh, you're catching me out now, but at least 17 years ago, okay? Um, because we had our 16th conference this year. And we represent really the whole value chain. It was primarily formed originally as a fiber and bath fiber association. Because as you know, there is construction materials. More recently, much investment is going into um, development of finer fibers for various applications. Um, we make um, bioplastics, composite materials. Um, alongside a lot of animal bypro animal products from um, feed, bedding, and so on. Now, what is very different in our strains is that we use the top for food production where possible, the leaf for food production, cosmetics where possible, because it cross-finances the fiber production and the development into products that are basically carbon negative. And that is my personal passion, and I hope we have a few minutes to talk about that. But before that, you asked me what was our response to the EU. I, as you know, I have very much tried to um, get them to change their minds, to return back to the catalog entry as it was prior to 2019, but not with much success. So we will now be doing this so-called novel food application and any American company or colleagues who would like to distribute in Europe, it's a very good um, time to join the consortium. We'll make it much easier for you. Um, without going into too much detail about that due to time issues, 
why is it so important? And you said that correctly, because we have a long established industry. And I think COVID maybe has given us something else. Because have you seen in the US by chance the images of the Himalayas that were visible from the northern Punjab from 130 miles away? For the first time in 30 years, the Himalayas were visible. Have any of you seen that? I have seen that image online, yes. You know, it is without question that this isn't a question of climate change. I'm not going there. But one thing we do know is we are polluting our planet. And I think nobody can really escape that. And we have a raw material available, hemp fiber, that grows seven feet or taller. But if the ideal raw material in so many industrial applications and to that point to start introducing that concept in Brussels and the wider community, we've recently written our hemp manifesto and at the back of it, we are now developing what is called and will distribute in due course the Green Deal. Hemp is the real Green Deal. And we believe and we foresee that we will be able to grow hundreds of thousands of acres in the future to give a raw material that cleans the air and absorbs the quest's carbon from atmosphere into its fibrous stalk. We can use that stalk to turn it into material that in construction we know helps in insulation materials, um, it would almost make another wonderful minute to actually tell you more about the different qualities if you're interested. Always, always interested in learning able, more. To be able to contribute to actually making consumer and industrial products worth billions of dollars on our land, in our farms, at the same time have healthy foods um, maybe in the post-COVID days, this will reach more of an understanding, but we really do believe that hemp has a terrific future to play in this. But I think to be viable as a plant, what we've learned in Europe is if you just grow for CBD, it's tricky. Yeah, You might not be able to sell all your biomass. And if you grow just for fibre, you don't make enough money either because otherwise farmers are asked, and apologies to any vegans, um, you're asked to rear a chicken, but you're asked to throw away the breast and the thighs, and all you're allowed to do is keep the bones. So it doesn't stack up. So we need to achieve this so-called whole plant utilizations to ensure that our farmers have a viable crop and a more competitive and more competitive and viable field for each other. Even if they can't sell all the flowers or all the leaves, they need the extra income and vice versa. Well, and it protects the farmers, Catherine. It, it ultimately, exactly. uh, by, by, by diversifying or creating multiple distribution channels from one plant, um, but there seems to be a lot of resistance from it because there's this notion that somehow, some way, CBD farming, um, which is more horticultural style versus ag style, uh, generally speaking, is more profitable. And certainly if the prices were stable 
if distribution was stable, if regulations existed uh, uniformly around the world, then that might be a true statement. But even then, I would argue that it still wouldn't be that profitable on its own because when you normalize it and create standards, it invites competition that all operate by the same rules, thereby eliminating these high price points we see. But I couldn't agree with you more. When you talk about the whole plant use or what sort of we've been referring to oftentimes as the new paradigm for hemp, because new for us, remember, we could only plant hemp in, the, you know, in recent history since 2014 and actually 2015 is when the first plants went in the ground. So we're talking about, uh, you know, a long gap between when the U.S. did produce industrial mm -hmm. hemp from the 40s into what we're seeing now. And of course, what did we plant? And you and I have talked about this before. We planted a lot of highly feminized horticultural style um, uh, high cannabinoid yielding varieties. And that worked for farmers for a couple of years. But then the market became saturated and there was few distribution outlets and the regulations from the FDA and the novel foods equivalent, they didn't come down yet. So now farmers are saying, well, there's no money in hemp. Well, that's not true. You just have to be crafty. You have to look at the plant for the multiple uses. That's why we're all in this anyway, to see come to fruition, the multiple uses of the plant. So what would you say to farmers that say, I'm going to get rich selling CBD so you can't convince me to grow the whole plant uh, or use whole plant style? Well, I can never tell anybody to do anything, but I think it's probably, unless you have fixed contracts in place, probably quite a dangerous strategy. With regards to any hemp farmer asking, I grow the whole plant so I can sell all the fiber. That is dangerous too, because as you know yourself, we don't have the infrastructure in place yet. And I likened that recently to somebody a little bit like oil. You've got the oil in the ground, but you need the refinery to turn it into um, the materials that has so many different applications. We need to build the infrastructure and the decorticators, the um, pelletizers, the all the various material streams that we can use it for construction, this will be a learning curve. And it lends actually itself to those who are keen um, to experiment and to learn. There's a lot of know-how in Europe, but even that is limited. And we get inquiries from Asia, from many countries, and we can't cover everything either. I think the opportunities, we've seen some great companies in the U.S. here recently making um, boards, wooden floorboards yeah. from pressed hemp. Hemp flooring okay. uh, companies out of Kentucky. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. Great start. There will be much more and more and more and more. And I think we have to have patience. And I think anybody who wants to go into hemp and think that next year they're going to be rich and it's going to solve all their problems, I would be negligent if I suggest that it's your solution. But if you want to invest into the future and be part of probably one of the most exciting, um, inspiring and, and um, captivating industries with a great potential, then yes, do 
Extremely well said, Catherine. And we, uh, we're so grateful to have you on, to have you share your knowledge and wisdom with our listeners and with us. It's, uh, it's been a wonderful experience, and we'd love to have you on again soon to talk about these uh, other uses of the plant, to talk about the, the carbon-neutral potential. Uh, there's just, as you said, there's going to be more and more and more uh, to dig into for the potential of this crop. Uh, we thank you so much for your time and being, being with us here. We know it's late uh, where you are, and uh, it's just been an absolute joy. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you very much. Wish you well. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hoban Minute. Do you have any ideas for episode topics or guests? We would like to hear from you. Reach out to us at media at hoban.law and stay tuned for more on the Hoban Minute.